Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden, internal medicine physician with Hennepin Healthcare with more Healthy Matters. Yes, and good morning. Welcome to a little bit later edition of uh, Healthy Matters. And the reason is we had a special uh, public service show for the last two hours that our company, Intercom, requested us to do. But that was a one-time thing. And we're going to be back to normal next week. Normal Dr. Hilden meaning we'll start the show as we always do around 7.30 or so. It was all okay, Denny. I got a chance to drink some coffee here. We got to chat with everybody here in the studio. Absolutely. And uh, again, back to normal. We appreciate all the calls and text messages but again, we'll be back to normal next Sunday, Jim Gilbert, everything else. And we're so, going to be on a full hour here. Full hour. We'll be here for this hour and then uh, the Your Money Show for the next full hour. And then it'll be Sports Huddle after that. So that's just a little explanation. Uh, going to be uh, another good show today. A repeat customer here. You're right, Danny. I do have a repeat guest on the show. Dr. Rawad Nasser is the director of the Division of Rheumatology at Hennepin Healthcare. Um, and HCMC, for those of you who have been around a while, that's who we are. And Dr. Nasser is going to help us out today in talking about a topic, um, autoimmune diseases. And for some of you, that is immediately ringing a bell because you're thinking, yeah, that's, the, you know, that's what I have. I have an autoimmune disease. But I'll bet there's a whole bunch of you who heard me say that and don't know what I'm talking about. And so autoimmune diseases is a, a big topic, and it is it is things like rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, vasculitis, um, and many, many more. Um, and so we are – and uh, many autoimmune diseases are in the realm of rheumatology, um, and that's why we have Dr. Nasser here to talk with us. A couple things before I introduce him and get him to start talking. I just wanted to acknowledge uh, a, a day late, but it is the 50th anniversary of neonatal intensive care. I read that. Did you read that? Yeah, it's, um, it was uh, covered by WCCO. You can go to WCCORadio.com, and Sloan did a thing about it. And uh, we had an event yesterday. But 50 years ago, we started our first newborn intensive care program, and it's still going strong. And there was a great event where kids who were born there were at the event, and um, their parents were there. And uh, that is uh, an outstanding part of Hennepin's program right here in downtown Minneapolis. And the reason I bring it up is that a lot of people think that we're an emergency department and that's it. Oh, boy, that is not the case. Um, Here is one thing that maybe you didn't know about. One of the most skilled and talented neonatal newborn intensive care units 
celebrating 50 years. Second thing I want to point out is that I've taken a bit of a hiatus from the blog because I was in Africa and I've I've been re-entering into the country here. But I have put a new blog post up. We're back at myhealthymatters.org. I'm back. Go ahead. Read the latest one. It's about alcohol. And the reason that prompted me is that I couldn't turn on any news outlet or read a paper or go online without hearing about the latest study that says that no alcohol is good for you at all, not any. And so I thought, well, oh, boy, that's going to be life-changing for a lot of people. So um, you read my comments on that study. Um, It's at myhealthymatters.org. And go ahead and subscribe by email if you want to get more of those in the future, myhealthymatters.org. Okay, back to rheumatology. Dr. Rawad Nasser, my good friend and colleague, he's the director of rheumatology, um, he's running an outstanding program of teaching, and education, clinical cares at Hennepin. Thanks for being back on the show, Rawad. Oh, good morning, David. Thanks for having me back. I'm glad to be back with you. Rawad's been in the studio. He's been at our 10th, uh, at, uh, our celebration of our decade with Dave. So many of you met him in person. And um, he is a rheumatologist. And that means we deal with autoimmune diseases and arthritis and all that kind of stuff. So bef- rather than me talk about that, I'd rather now you, Rawad, what are autoimmune diseases? Great question, David. You know, autoimmune diseases are interesting diseases, and I think there's a general concept that applies to all of them. Basically, um, the patients have a genetic predisp- have the genes that predispose them to the autoimmune disease, and then a trigger happens that activates these genes. And this trigger could be anything from stress to medication, vaccine, pregnancy, trauma. Um, to a lot of times we don't figure out what the trigger is. But a trigger happens and these genes become active in the body and they produce proteins and substances that confuse the immune system. So immune system goes up in our body confused and wherever it goes in our body, we name the disease. So if, if it goes to the small joints of the hands and the feet, we call it rheumatoid arthritis. If it goes to the skin, causes a rash in the face and the joints and other um, involvements, we call it lupus. If it goes to our blood vessels and the organs and cause problems, we call it vasculitis. So these are different diseases. I'm trying to choose my word carefully. These are different diseases that have the same cause, or they or they have a, or they just have the same. Explain more about that. Yes. They, they don't have the same cause. No, they don't have the same cause. But if you want the concept, yeah. is the same. So you have a genetic predisposition, a trigger, mm. and then an, an immune system that goes confused and goes and affect your own body. Um, but there are different diseases because the, the gene that gets affected is different. Part of the immune system that goes up is different, and the part of the body that gets affected is different. So take one of them that you just mentioned, lupus, for instance. Right. Do people who have a family member with lupus then, are they guaranteed to get lupus? Because I heard you say it might be in your genes. Yeah, no, it's not guaranteed. Um, you could carry um, the gene or the predisposition for lupus all your life, but you could not don't necessarily going to get the disease, lupus. So having a family member with an autoimmune disease like lupus doesn't mean you're going to get lupus. And that's you, the second thing you talked about. You have to have some insult that brings it Correct. On. You have to have some sort of a trigger um, that causes the gene to f- declare itself in the body and, and, and then the disease develops. Um, and we're still – Trying to understand all of this. The immune system is a very complex system. And the more we learn about it, the more it it sounds more complex. And there's more pathways that we still don't know about and we're trying to discover. That's why it's hard to find a cure for autoimmune diseases. 
because we're still in the process of discovering uh, the immune system. That was, you know, I've learned already in these first three minutes because uh, I've learned I've learned something because when patients talk to me and I say, you've got an, what's causing my problem? My, uh, I'll say, well, that's an autoimmune disease, which pretty much means I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why you got it. I don't, I'm not sure if anybody does. But what you have already illuminated a little bit for me is that you might have a, ge- a genetic predisposition. Some trigger triggers it off in you, and then your immune system gets confused. That is a great explanation of what's going on in autoimmune diseases. Um, so let's talk a little bit, um, a little bit more about diagnosis. Since they're all such a different spectrum of diseases, how do you go about? Uh, how do how do people show up in your office, and how do you diagnose these kinds of diseases? Uh, that's a great question. Diagnosing an autoimmune disease is a bit challenging because the diagnosis uh, depends on a few things. Number one, uh, we have to take a very good history from the patient and review all of the systems of the body with the patient. Um, so we have to get a very good history, a very good physical exam, and then a blood test and sometimes x-rays. The combination of the history taking, the physical exam, the tests will uh, give you a diagnosis. Sometimes we're sure what is the diagnosis, and sometimes, to be honest with you, we're kind of thinking this is 90% what it is, but we can't say for sure, and that's part of autoimmune disease is there's that gray zone where you, where patients are that they're at risk or maybe they have it, um, and that's challenging for rheumatologists. But it, but the diagnosis is really clinical. It's clinical. There's right. not just one blood test no. or one number that no. you can look at, is there? No, no, no. So, and sometimes we see patients with abnormal blood tests, but they don't have the disease, and we tell the patient that they're at risk of developing it in the future. Um, so having a blood test uh, for an autoimmune disease doesn't mean the patient has the disease. So it has to be... Um, the, the history, the physical exam, and the test all together uh, to make a diagnosis. So if, so if people are being told, oh, you have a rheumatoid factor or you have this mm-hmm. antibody, it doesn't necessarily mean you have one of the, these diseases, which we will get into in a little bit more. Um, so you're kind of a cerebral specialty then. You've got patients coming in who probably almost all of them have seen their primary doctor and they've got some kind of symptoms, real symptoms, joint pain, fatigue, rashes, things like that. And the primary doctor, well, I've been there, so I know, you know, kind of <laughs> shrugged your shoulders after a while and says, why don't you see Dr. Nasser next? <laughs> That'd be, that's, your, that's the good next step because, you know, um, there isn't just one blood test and there isn't just one, um, like your blood pressure, it's easy. It's a number. We can kind of look at it and see if it's abnormal or not. Um, I want to talk about a, a, some more specific types of um, uh, uh, autoimmune diseases, but they they sort of overlap a little bit. Um, rheumatoid arthritis and lupus, the two of them. That's not the only two, but just take those two. Joint pain. They both have joint pain. So how do you distinguish between those? Right. So uh, rheumatoid arthritis, um, patients develop pain and swelling in the joints. And most patients have a typical pattern of which joints are involved. So usually it's the knuckles of the hands, the knuckles of the feet, um, elbows and wrists, and it's a symmetric um, joint pain involvement. Um, and in patients, in most patients with rheumatoid arthritis, it's pain and swelling in the joints. But actually, I prefer to call it rheumatoid disease because some patients, in addition to involvement of the joints, they get inflammation in the eyes, in the skin, in the lung, and the blood vessels. 
but it's not the common uh, involve these uh, involvement. So it's it's mostly joints, but you could have other organs involved in about you know ten to twenty percent of patients. So rheumatoid arthritis mostly joints, not all. Right. Smaller joints, both sides of your body. Correct. That's the most common presentation. Okay. But, but you could have inflammation in your lungs in the in the lungs. Oh. You could have inflammation in the eyes. Or in the blood vessels in the skin. Okay, we're going to talk more. We're going to take a break. Is that right? Yep. We're going to talk more about rheumatoid arthritis and lupus, and we're going to answer your calls and texts as well. And our phone number is 651 989 9226. Text number is 81807. We'll take this break and be back with more Healthy Matters. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of Healthy Matters. Uh, this morning, uh, next week, we'll be back to normal with the time-wise, but we'll be on with Healthy Matters till 9 this morning. So if you'd like to call in, ask your question, or send a text, we'll be here till just about uh, 9 o'clock. Here again is Dr. David Hilde. Thank you, Denny. So we're talking about autoimmune diseases with Dr. Rawad Nasser, Director of Rheumatology at Hennepin Healthcare. So we talked a little bit about rheumatoid arthritis. How does the, that differ from, let's say, lupus? Yes. Um, patients with lupus, uh, they present with uh, not just uh, pain and swelling in the joints. Uh, in addition to that, they usually come with a rash on their face or in their body. Uh, also, they can have mouth sores, sores in the nose, um, and sometimes they present with chest pain or belly pain. So it's more than just um, pain and swelling in the joints upon presentation to the clinic or to the hospital. They have usually more symptoms with it, specifically the skin, the rashes and the mouth sores. Um, and then sometimes in severe cases, they present with their kidneys failing because inflammation is involved in their kidneys. Um, so lupus presentation is different from rheumatoid arthritis is that it's, it's not just the joints, it's other organs upon presentation. Is inflammation uh, the problem or a feature of, of both of those and of other rheumat- uh, uh, rheumatologic conditions? Inflammation is a feature. Um, what happens is the immune system goes to the organ and causes inflammation. So the white blood cells in our body, which are usually the cells that protect us from infections, they become confused and they affect part of the body. Let's say the joints. The white blood cells go to the joints, confused, and they go cause inflammation in the joints. So inflammation is the feature of the uh, immune system being confused. It's, it's the manifestation of that. And in rheumatoid arthritis, what you're saying is that those white cells and inflammation go to the joints. Why would they go to the joints and not say, you know, my, you know somewhere else? Exactly. And that's, that's, the, that's the biggest question uh, for uh, rheumatologists and immunologists. And w- what we discover is that there's always some proteins in the organ, let's say the joints. There's like an, a protein from the immune system in the joint that is up there and calling for these white blood cells to come. Why is that exactly? I think we're still not certain because each and, – and that's why it's, we have these diseases. Like in lupus, it's the skin calling the immune system come and be inflamed here and, and, and the joints and the kidneys. While in rheumatoid arthritis, it's just the joint. Um, we still don't know exactly why um, and I think that's part of why it's hard – uh, at this stage of, of uh, rheumatology to find a cure for the disease. Yeah. And, and I do want to, um, um, uh, listeners, we're going to talk about some of the newer agents. So they are the ones that dominate commercials on TV now about drugs. Ask your doctor if such and such is right for you. Well, Dr. Nasser is the doctor who prescribes um, some of those medications, so we're going to ask him about some of the latest treatments for um, autoimmune diseases. We're going to do that in the second half of the show, so so stay with us if you want to hear about some of those treatments. What about um, in your biography, it says that you have an interest in vasculitis. I am almost sure that in 10 years of Healthy Matters on the Air, we haven't talked about vasculitis. I'm not sure, but I don't think we have. 
what is vasculitis? We've talked about RA, rheumatoid arthritis. We've talked about lupus. What is vasculitis? So vasculitis is inflammation of the blood vessels and specifically the blood vessel wall, which um, – and the interesting part is blood vessels are in all parts of our body, in all organs of our body. And there's multiple uh, types of vasculitis, again, depending on the organ involved. It is an autoimmune disease. So again, the immune system is confused. And it goes to the blood vessel in a certain organ and causes inflammation. Um, and there's, as I said, there's multiple types of vasculitis. Um, and for example, there's ANCA-positive vasculitis, which where the where the immune system goes to the blood vessels in the kidneys. So you have inflammation in the kidneys, and it goes to the lungs and the sinuses. Um, uh, so, and patients with lupus or rheumatoid arthritis could have vasculitis, inflammation of the blood vessels, but it's not the presenting symptom. Um, in these patients. How the heck would I know <laughs> if I have inflammation of my blood vessels? Now you're talking about like right. in this case of my kidneys or my lungs. How would I know? So patients usually present to us, they ha- their kidney function is reduced. Um, they don't have, they come in with, um, the kidneys are um, not working as they should be. They have renal failure. Or they come in with uh, shortness of breath and chest pain and sometimes coughing up blood. Um, and then, uh, you know, we do a biopsy of the kidney or sometimes biopsy of the lung, and we discover there's inflammation in the blood vessels that's causing these symptoms. So usually patients with vasculitis are sick, um, but sometimes also it could be localized to the skin, and we do a skin biopsy. So most vasculitis are diagnosed by biopsy of the tissue of the organ involved. For example, if you have a inflammation in the skin, we biopsy, we see the inflammation of the blood vessels in the skin. In the kidneys, the same. In the lungs, the same. In the sinus. And again, depending on which organs involved, we name the type of the vasculitis. Um, it's a challenging uh, disease in diagnosis and in treatment. Um, and we're going to talk a lot more in the second half show about autoimmune diseases, including rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, vasculitis. Um, we're going to take some phone calls and texts. Denny, do we have time before the break to take uh, any calls? I think we should probably wait. Okay. And I want to alert our listeners that we'll be picking up on phone calls and text messages in the next half hour. Healthy Matters on this morning until uh, just about 9 o'clock. So there's time for your calls and texts. Uh, yet uh, straight ahead. 6519 text is 81807. Hey, good morning. Welcome to this uh, portion of uh, Hennepin County's Healthy Matters. I want to remind our listeners, Dr. Hilden, that this is a little unusual because of our public service program earlier this morning. We'll be back next week. We're going to be on the air this morning till 9. But next week, back to normal from 7.30 to 8.30. So I, I can't sleep in an extra half hour no, next week? I'm sorry. Back to normal. i got to say, that was the, uh, uh, that's the only time in the last 10 years I've got to, <laughs> Have a few, I got to few sleep minutes. in a half an hour. <laughs> Thank you, WCCO. Hey, if you are, um, are listening um, to the show and, you, and you're wondering, you're all discombobulated because we're on a half hour late, you can always listen to the podcast. Go to myhealthymatters.org and listen to podcasts of this or any previous show. I want to alert people to that as well. Um, also, one more thing before we get back into lupus, rheumatoid arthritis and the like is um, this Saturday on the 15th is our last um, uh, uh, education series. I'm sorry, I stumbled there. Our last education series at the Clinic and Specialty Center in downtown Minneapolis. This this is our Here for Health series. The first two sessions were darn near sold out. I mean, it was standing room only. There are a few spots left um, for the last session, which is Saturday, this coming Saturday, September 15th in downtown Minneapolis in the Hennepin Healthcare's beautiful clinic and specialty center. The topics for the last session are going to be heart health, breast health, and physical therapy. We are going to have a female 
focus on it, but it is not just for women. We're going to have uh, Dr. Michelle Carlson as one of our um, cardiologists who's going to talk a little bit about women's heart health, but not exclusively about women. Um, breast health is going to be you know, focused on women, but men, that's something you should hear about as well. And then physical therapy. So women, if you're having trouble with ambulation, maybe with arthritis, we're going to have physical therapists there. These sessions are free. You heard me right. They are free. Parking is free. It's underground. You take the elevator directly to the session. It couldn't be easier. To register, go to hennepinhealthcare.org slash here for health. hennepinhealthcare.org slash here for health. And if you just go to the main hennepinhealthcare.org page, you're going to see my face on there. You can just click that as well. Okay, back to um, rheumatology with Dr. Rawad Nasser, the director of rheumatology and Hennepin Healthcare. We've been talking about autoimmune diseases, which include things like uh, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, vasculitis. We have lots of text um, messages and some calls. I do want to make sure we don't, we don't uh, forget to talk about the biologics and some treatments, but I thought we'd maybe do a few of these calls. Is that okay with you, Rawad? Yes, absolutely. And thanks for being back on the show, by the way. Maybe we'll take Elaine's call All right, first. She's let's been on do the that. phone. Elaine, uh, Brooklyn Park, go ahead, Elaine, with your question, please. Yes. Hi, Dr. Hilgen. Um, about 15 months ago, I'm 75, about 15 months ago, I started getting watery eyes, red all around my eyes, uh, swelling in my ankles, extreme eye light sensitivity, loss of energy and appetite, nothing I had ever experienced before. I knew something was wrong. I went to two eye specialists in two different clinics. I went to an internist with all of this happening. They all said I had an allergy. I've never been allergic to anything in my life. I went to an allergist. He said, you aren't allergic to one thing, but I think you have a thyroid problem. (laughs) And I was shocked. I went back to my internist. He said, you went to the best allergist there is. He said, I will check you out. I ended up having an MRI that verified it. I ended up seeing a specialist at the University of Minnesota. I had a mild um, reaction. I did have thyroid eye disease, and I'm on selenium. And my journey was unbelievable. Yeah, Elaine, thank you for your story. One one of the things that struck me about that is, is the lengthy time patients have symptoms before you come up with, or you or the system comes up with uh, uh, a diagnosis. And what I particularly like is that you went to an allergist and, and he or she told you, you don't have an allergy. That's like going to a barber and saying, you don't need a haircut. I, like like you, you go to a barber and they're holding a scissors and they say they can't do anything for you. I love it, actually, because that's a, an honest allergy doctor. Dr. Nasser, when this sounds like a patient you'd get. Elaine sounds like a patient who would come into you um, with a number of, I won't, I'll say nonspecific complaints. They're specific to her, but they don't point to a specific diagnosis. Her legs are swollen, her eyes hurt, she's got great fatigue. That sounds like something you would see. Absolutely. A lot of time we see um, patients with multiple complaints and, and different symptoms, like in this case, the eyes and the swelling in the ankles. And um, and sometimes we diagnose patients with autoimmune diseases that we deal with in rheumatology, like rheumatoid arthritis, vasculitis, sarcoidosis, etc., vasculitis. And sometimes our job is to say you don't have a rheumatologic condition, but you have an autoimmune disease 
or a problem in another organ like thyroid disease. And is patients, thyroid disease autoimmune? Parts of it is. Some of it is autoimmune. Uh, yes, there is autoimmune thyroiditis, autoimmune inflammation of the thyroid gland. But again, each case is, is different. But a lot of times we see patients in our clinic and we do diagnose them with thyroid disease um, or with non-rheumatologic disease, and then we refer them to the correct specialist. Um, so this is uh, very common, not very common, but it is common um, in our practice. Too. Elaine, I'm glad you got a diagnosis because most thyroid disease is quite treatable. Um, uh, thank you for your call, by the way. Um, another um, kind of related question about what isn't rheumatology but could be an autoimmune disease is what about type 1 diabetes? This is from a listener. Is type 1 diabetes sometimes thought to be an autoimmune disease, and does it have a viral trigger? I know you're a rheumatologist. (laughs) So I'm a rheumatologist. I'm biased. I personally believe um, that all diseases are autoimmune diseases. (laughs) I got a hangnail. How about that? (laughs) But no, but I mean, not all of them, but. I know what you mean. Some of them, yeah, but. Yes. I mean, um, like thyroid disease, as I said, it's an autoimmune disease. Type 1 diabetes could have some autoimmune um, background to it too. Um, And sometimes we see autoimmune inflammation of the eye. Although there's no lupus, there's no vasculitis in other parts. It's just inflammation in the the eye. eye. And we end up treating, um, especially if it's a persistent eye problem or a recurrent eye problem, we end up treating with some of the medications that we use uh, to suppress or, well, change the immune system a little bit so that the inflammation in the eye stops. So sometimes we see patients with inflammation in one organ, like the eye or the thyroid, that do not fit into a big systemic disease like lupus or vasculitis. And we do try to help the patients as much as we can with, with trying to, uh, you know, some treatments that could help. So the answer to your question, yes, I think there's a lot of diseases outside the rheumatology that are autoimmune diseases. And a lot of times they end up in our clinic, especially when a question about treatment comes up uh, with the specialist. I want to ask you about some treatment. You said at the top of the show uh, that it is probable that people get autoimmune diseases um, because they had a genetic susceptibility. First of all, you were born with some, something in your gene that made you susceptible, and then you had a trigger in your life that kind of launched the process. Doesn't it make sense then in the future of medical treatment of autoimmune diseases that we should target the gene that is causing this? Is, is that a fair Statement, what do you respond to that if you could? Well, first, first I want just to clarify. So you could either be born with a gene that you inherited, you know, from your parents or the family, but also your gene mutate as you live. So sometimes it's the, this is the first person in the family who has this autoimmune disease because the gene changed or got a gene mutation, we call it, where the gene changed for some reason during lifetime. But yes, gene therapy, I think, is, um, is definitely um, – something that is worth considering in autoimmune disease. And I think there's a lot of um, research going on about uh, genetic therapy. Um, I think in my understanding, my knowledge so far with genetic therapy is we know it's it's trying to be tested in humans to see what are – because remember, with any therapy or medication, there's potential side effects, obviously. So you have to make sure it's a safe way of treating diseases. But yes, gene therapy, to answer your question, is one of the – Um, uh, one of the therapies that are being looked at for autoimmune disease. We're going to talk more about therapies, including the biologic medications, after the break. We also have quite a few listener um, uh, questions that we're going to get to. So uh, thanks for joining us. We're talking to Dr. Rawad Nasser about rheumatology today. And again, uh, we'll be back to a normal start time of around 7.30 uh, next week uh, because of our special programming earlier this morning. And good morning. Welcome back to this uh, Sunday edition 
of Healthy Matters. Again, back uh, next week, normal time, 7.30 to 8.30. Here again is Dr. Hilden. So, Dr. Nasser, I want to talk, uh, um, go through some text messages. Um, but, but in 60 seconds, I want to talk about biologics. Um, all those drugs you hear about on TV, most of them are prescribed by you. What are all the new treatments for these autoimmune diseases? All these things that end in print syllables you can't pronounce on TV. So, um, you know, I think, you know, let's talk about rheumatoid arthritis treatment. So there were, you know, medications in the past for rheumatoid arthritis that we still use these days. For example, methotrexate, which is not a biologic. Um, And the struggle with treating rheumatoid arthritis is preventing damage to the joints and deformities. Um, until biologics came in. And biologics, the word biologic means how the medication is manufactured or produced. And that's why it's called a biologic. But the effect of biologic on a disease like rheumatoid arthritis is when you add it to the traditional medication like methotrexate, which which remains a medication we prescribe for rheumatoid arthritis, is that it prevents damage to joints and prevents the deformities and crippling in the joints that affects the disease. Um, As well, there's evidence that it, it decreases um, the cardio, um, the risk of getting heart attacks and strokes from disease, because there's evidence that when you have an autoimmune inflammatory condition like rheumatoid arthritis, you're at higher risk of getting heart attacks and strokes and so forth. And by treating the inflammation more aggressively with biologics, in addition to traditional treatment, you decrease that risk of getting heart attacks and strokes. But the main stay or the breakthrough of biologics in rheumatoid arthritis in particular is it decreased the percentage of patients who developed crippling and deformity in their joints, in addition, of course, of helping the patient with their pain and swelling in the joints and able to function and able to do the things they like to do. Thank Um, you. I'm going to go to the text messages now, and we're going to try to do like a lightning round here. There are two text messages about this condition. How does Sjogren's syndrome fit into autoimmune disease, and what's the best treatment? There are two text messages about Sjogren's. That's for listeners, S-J-O-G-R-E-N. Great question. Sjogren's disease is an autoimmune inflammatory condition. And the immune system in uh, Sjogren's disease, it goes to the salivary glands. So it causes inflammation in the salivary glands. So the patient can't have a lot of saliva in the mouth. So they develop dry mouth. And then it goes to the uh, glands that produce tears in the eyes. And it causes inflammation in those glands. And you don't have enough tears. So you get dry eyes, dry mouth. Um, In addition to that, you could have pain and swelling in the joints. Or you could have pain in, in your whole body. Also, um, fatigue is a feature of the disease, um, and it could involve uh, multiple organs like the skin. You can get dry skin. You can have some inflammation in the kidneys and sometimes in the lung. But the most common symptoms are dry eyes and dry mouth. And so when is that a problem? I know a lot of people say, yeah, my eyes are dry. I put drops in them all the time. When, is it, when do they see you? Dry eyes, although it seems like, um, you know, you just have dry eyes. Dry eyes is a debilitating symptom for the patient. Having dry eyes and dry mouth um, is a ama- is, is it's an a big serious yeah. problem. You yes. could have Sjogren's. Oh yes, and patients, uh, and there are re- there are other reasons other than Sjogren's that causes dry eyes and dry mouth. Obviously, like medications, for example, yeah. they could cause dry eyes, dry mouth. But but the symptom itself, uh, I think we I know it's not an internal organ involvement, but the patient really gets affected by it. Um, we do not have a FDA approved medication for Sjogren's. Unfortunately, all the studies about biologics yeah. have failed yeah. to reach a threshold where 80% of patients or 90% of patients get better. But we do have some treatments for the dry eyes that are focused on the eye, like eye drops, uh, multiple eye drops, and new eye drops coming on the market, also for the mouth. And there are some medications that we use off label after discussion with the patient about to treat the disease as a whole. And in some patients, it works, and some patients, it doesn't. Next question from the text line. Is there a correlation between rheumatoid arthritis and fibromyalgia? So um, fibromyalgia is not autoimmune. 
to our knowledge at this point, is not an autoimmune inflammatory condition. Uh, fibromyalgia is a disease where the nerves in the skin uh, becomes more sensitive uh, to touch and they, and they, uh, they send uh, quick pain messages to the brain. Also, the substances that control pain in the brain become imbalanced. But fibromyalgia, we see it in patients who have rheumatoid arthritis, in patients who have lupus or Sjogren's disease. So you could have rheumatoid arthritis and fibromyalgia or uh, Sjogren's and fibromyalgia. Are they a cause-effect relationship? No, but there is um, you know, a percentage of patients. Yep, exactly. Let's go back to the phones. I think Vicki is calling from Blaine with a question. Go ahead with your question, Vicki. Yes, when the doctor said um, triggers can cause rheumatoid arthritis, does he mean anything emotional? So, um, you know, a lot of times in autoimmune disease, we cannot figure out a trigger. But yes, stress, emotional stress, you know, stress at work, stress in the family life, stress on the body definitely could trigger autoimmune diseases. We cannot prove it, obviously, by a test. It makes some sense. It makes some sense. Yeah. 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 So, like, you could be, um, you could be, have a gene or you could have RA and you could be under extreme stressors in your life and there could be some connection to your physical inflammation. Absolutely. We see a lot of patients with flare-up of lupus, and they say, you know, this last month has been a stressful month for me at work or at, 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 in the family, and, and that my disease is flaring up. And then objectively on exam, they are. Um, now, that doesn't mean every stressful event will trigger an right. autoimmune disease, but stress is one of the factors that could trigger a flare-up of the autoimmune disease or the autoimmune disease itself. Vicki, that's a terrific question. Thank you for that call. Here's back to the text line. My husband was just diagnosed with polymyalgia rheumatica by a rheumatologist after an exam and blood test. He has been on prednisone regimen for a week. Some days he is pain-free, but other days he's in extreme pain. Is this normal? So polymyalgia rheumatica is an autoimmune inflammatory condition. It causes inflammation in the hips and the shoulders and causes for the patient um, symptoms of stiffness and pain and weakness, subjective weakness. Um, So prednisone is the treatment. um, And with polymyalgia rheumatica, um, we give prednisone. uh, And sometimes the patient gets better the next day. Sometimes it takes two to four weeks. Most patients get better within a few days of starting prednisone. The key is the prednisone dosage. Um, so, you know, they should be around prednisone 20 milligrams a day because sometimes we see patients, we start them at 15, but they really need 20. So if, if, um, this persists where some days, uh, feeling good, some days not so good, we could reconsult with the rheumatology if we should increase the dose of prednisone. But as I said, sometimes it takes two to three weeks, even with a good dose of prednisone to get the symptoms. But you could, your goal is to have... No pain exactly. days, correct? Exactly. With polymyalgia aromatica, with the prednisone dose we prescribe, you should have zero pain at some point, unless you have another condition causing the pain other than polymyalgia aromatica. We are out of time. That was a fast hour. Thank you to everybody for listening on our little half-hour delay. It's been a good show. And my special thanks to Dr. Rawad Nasser, the chief of rheumatology at Hennepin Healthcare. You can see Dr. Nasser um, or his colleagues simply by calling us at 612 612- That's 612-873-6963. Or be sure to check us out at myhealthymatters.org. We'll be back to our normal time uh, next uh, week at uh, 730 or so with... We'll do an open lines show. All right, join us then. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. 
Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.